0: Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way podcast. I am excited to have yet another one of my brilliant friends on this podcast. Um, At some point, maybe I'll run out of brilliant friends, but I hope not, because that's why I do this. Uh, Today, I'm joined by Heather Willems. Heather is a visual strategist and the founder of Two Line Studios, which is a creative problem-solving agency. Heather and I met about 10 years ago, um, actually Um, through a prior guest Gavin McMahon um, at an event um, for I believe it was Verizon in New Jersey and I saw just a fraction of Heather's magic as a graphic recording or visual notes artist Um, and it was mesmerizing I don't remember anything that was spoken about other than you Heather (laughs) and your work and then our conversation afterwards and I just remember how sad all of the leaders were like in the room, the energy, you know. So in the room. It was like the contrast between your art and then just sort of the flaccidity of the room.
1: <laughs> I remember the, the first time you like uh, were across the room. It was during lunch and you're like you pointed right at me from across the room, and like, you, you're human bacon. Yes. I was like, okay. <laughs> like, let's talk about what that means.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so when I did the, um, what was the Future of Marketing Summit, I was the keynote. Um, I think you did the graphic recording for that too, right?
1: Yeah, yes, I do. Well, that's my first memory of uh, uh, our our first shocking engagement.
0: Yeah, we talked briefly before then at another one at like one of the, one of something. But anyway, just, it's funny how time, um, you know, you are, uh, how much, were the same since then and how much things have changed. So anyway. Right. So, well, to, the topic today is, that I wanted to visit with you about is inclusivity and vision. So let me set this up for listeners. Vision, like mission and values, guiding principles is one of those terms that really is important. It's an important idea, but the definition and the usage of it was formed in a very different era, um, in an era of really top-down, Um, more hierarchical, more patriarchal. And typically it was vision was assigned to a, the CEO or the president or something had to have a vision. Or as you remember, uh, George H.W. Bush talking about that vision thing, you know, like he was, where it was like, this was expected to have a visionary leader. Um, And then it sort of became sort of a collective um, word salad you know, and lost its meaning. But then art began to work its way back into business in a lot of ways. And you are, you know, you were kind of early to that idea of bringing art back to business. I mean, because how long have you been doing visual recording?
1: I I don't like to add it up, but I think I started in 2006.
0: Yeah. So that you think about that time where that was the beginning around the mid 2000s, like that, where the beginning of the shift away from being um, really process oriented businesses to people oriented businesses. And, you know, process oriented business, assembly line, smokestack thinking is another term I use for mm-hmm. it. It, um, it. It art didn't matter that much in the sense of like the day to day operations because it was about the humans that were involved in the business were part of the machinery. But now, they are the machinery in the sense that they it is everybody's in the people business, um, and so vision has changed too. Um, yeah, I remember at the that? beginning.
1: Of, what's that? Yeah, I've at the beginning from. of my career, um, I came into the kind of like the co. Oh, I don't even remember what it's called. Then but it was like the co-creation, design thinking, collaboration. Facilitation yeah. world, um, directly out of art school, wow, uh, with no business background at all. I didn't know what any acronyms meant. I had no idea what I was getting into, um, but I did know, um, I did know how to. I did know that I thought differently than other people, and that that I needed to own that and step into it. Mm -hmm. what I didn't expect is that by doing what I do naturally, um, you know, with my, I have a background in art, fine art, masters, I'm an art master, master, (laughs) fine art degree, Um, but what, doing what I did naturally um, really helped people to open up tremendously, Uh, and it was, amazing to me to see the power of that when people actually saw that their voice was being heard, that their they could see their ideas come to life, see how they would over, overlap and interact with others, and, and also I, I found like over the course of my career, and I know that this is something that you relate to as well, is like we're so lucky to be able to live and work in a space that we're passionate about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you mentioned the leaders um, of the event that we worked at a decade ago Mm -hmm. um, and how sad they were. And I I just, I feel that by bringing in a new perspective, in my case, it happens to be art or just bringing in storytelling. Mm -hmm. It helps people to connect to their own spark. You
0: know, it helps
1: find their own spark and whatever you want to call it, you want to call it their values, their passion, their purpose, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But by kind of mixing it up and integrating some of that creative play, um, it really helps people to connect to something that's more meaningful.
0: Yeah. And I think it's interesting. And tell me if this is an accurate or not accurate description of the evolution of your work and, where it seems to have, when I met you started off as you were recording what other people were saying, and now you are leading the discussions that lead, you know so you're going from recording from what what other people are saying with visual art to sparking the conversation that produces the visual art. And you can see how far, is that correct? Is that an accurate portrayal?
1: Yes, it it, it depends on the, the situation, but yes, that's kind of where where it's all going now
0: yeah And you think about how I mean how that trajectory of being um sort of a unique way to get attention or you know at the beginning to now the way to create an inclusive conversation because art unites oh. you know art unites art offends but it also unites and gives like you <laughs> said gives everyone a voice so yeah. that goes to the first question I have is so as we're, you're doing your work now and we'll both answer these these questions is what, what do most leaders, what do you think most leaders get wrong about establishing or setting a vision? Where are they off?
1: Man, when you sent me those questions, I was like, oh my gosh, how do I even answer this? And the only way that I could answer it was by um, drawing upon some recent experiences that I've had uh, leading clients through different sessions. So I've been working... Um, I've been really excited and um, to be working with some nonprofits. I'm um, doing powerful things um, in the United States, and then also some corporate organizations that are um, working on their social impact strategy. Oh wow! And there's been things that have been successful in that process, and then things we needed to correct, course correct a little bit. So, um, one thing that I've I've seen repeatedly over the course of my career and um in some instances recently is that the sometimes leaders get so excited about where they're going or or about their own vision that um they kind of bias the conversation Mm -hmm. where they're trying to get group consensus Mm -hmm. so i've seen that happen so like um biasing the conversation with their own vision another area another um course correct, you know, an area where they need co- course correcting is that age-old thing where they're putting the, the, I, the they're going into action mode before they actually have the vision. So mm-hmm. it was like ready, aim, fire, and they're just like fire, mm-hmm. ready, aim. <laughs> um, so that's another one that I've seen yeah. recently. And then one that kind of surprised me um, when I was facilitating recently is that there was too little engagement by the leaders. So sometimes there's like, it's heavy handed and it's, mm-hmm. you know, they're really directing it. Um, and in a recent experience, um, the group, the leaders were were not participating enough to the point where the empl- or the employees were like, um, shouldn't they be in here right now, like working with us? And I checked in with the leaders and they're like, oh, they're doing so great. I don't feel like they need us. I'm like, no, no. They they need to know that you're that you're supporting them and bought in and and that you that you are aligned with the vision that they see.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that the name those are all I see all those and I think those are an excellent kind of summation of the some of the mindsets and behaviors out there. I would say that um, these are kind of related actually. Is they're either too narrow about the vision. Like, uh, yeah. you know, like it, uh, um, I see it especially with dudes, like, you know, we're going to we're going to do this thing by this date. And, you know, um, which is fine, but there's a narrowness to it. There's a, a rigidity to it um, right. that doesn't really make it an, a vision. Um, it makes it more of an, an intention. And when I'm coaching people, because part of brand strategy is establishing the vision for the brand. And uh, where is the brand going, essentially? And they'll say something, I like, no, that's an intention, of, but a vision is specific. So that's the other thing that's missing is a lack of specificity. Um, and the whole point of vision, the way I teach it is to activate the reticular activating system, the RAS part of the brain, the part of the brain that is the reptilian part of the brain that remembers things without pic- with just pictures only. And you can use power words to do that. Uh, but you have to be specific. Like, I don't think it's useful to have visions that contain feeling words. Because yeah. feelings are from the generally from the neocortex. And there's not much vision in the neocortex. There's imagination a little bit, but not, not vision, where you can work on your subconscious to get to the thing that you want to get to, that place you want to go. Um, and so it's it's funny. It's, it's either too vague or too vague or too, too narrow. And it's, they think it's a vision when it's more of an intention and that's fine. We need to be intentional, but it's different. It's a different, it's an, ironically a different intention. Vision is a different intention in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I love that you said that, that it doesn't include feeling words. Cause uh, I guess being a visual person, I'm always like, wait, this, I, I, I wouldn't cog- cognitively say Oh, let's take out these feeling words. But oftentimes, I'm like, okay, how do we make this? Is there a way to make this measurable? Or is it like, how do you know when you're finished? How do you know when you've reached the vision? Yes. Um, yes. So you can feel happy about it and you can have joy. But you know, how how do you know it's enough joy?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, let me think about that. If you were you were drawing that idea, and somebody says, "Well, our vision is is that we just want everyone to be full of bliss and happiness." Well, you can't draw bliss and happiness. You can only draw a representation of it. And so it could shift to a vision. This is part of the vision that when I walk into the office, everyone is smiling naturally.
1: Yes. You know, oh, something that's- like
0: that. Or some a client once said, I, "I to me, the vision is, is how many times per day I hear the word love? It is, oh, yes. it is home life and at work and from customers, things like that. It's like now, now we yes. got, something. that's a vision. I-
1: Yes, recently I've I've been working with a group of incredible um forum members for lack of a lack of a better word and and I was like how do you build a business based where your metric is love? Mm-hmm. Like how do you do that? Like right. cuz that's my intention. Mm-hmm. You know, to to be like build a business based on love but like I it doesn't feel like a great business model. So oh. so and that was one of the things that they mentioned. It's like, well, we measure it in um how often our customer reviews use the word love. Perfect. I'm like ah, oh, easy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's this like, guy, how do
1: you measure? I love it. How do you take that feeling word and make it measurable?
0: Yes, exactly. Which sounds clinical, but you know, I don't know who said it, but you can't improve what you you can't um it, um, you can't improve something if you can't measure it, you know, and which is a bit linear, but that's how you redirect the masculine linear mind. You redirect it towards, okay, you want everyone to be happy. What's that look actually look like? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. The second question, you kind of alluded to it because you were talking about the, 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 like where people were either too commanding or too aggressive or heavy handed or, or kind of just, you know, laissez-faire, wash their hands of it. Is how do you craft or decide a collective vision that is representative of everyone that the vision is for? So you think about we. I see this all the time with like mission statements where it's a it's a a mission statement is usually just evidence that you had a committee that came up with something that nobody likes, you know, because so, it's this weird hodgepodge kind of bullshit bingo type of thing, and vision can kind of go get that way too without some good facilitation. So how do you create a collective mm. vision so everyone can see that vision and go, yeah I, I'm part of that. I agree with that. Oh, um, how do
1: I facilitate that? So well one it's like how do, how do you get people aligned around around a common vision So I guess like one place that we start, is well let me are we going to edit this (laughs) like humming and crying great well you know that this is real um there's two ways that we do it is like it's basically through storytelling a lot of it's through storytelling is how we get how we get to the vision um and I think that start it starts with choosing the right people at the very beginning is like knowing that um, in the end, you you kind of want to work with um, internal advocates, you know, like having the, the folks that are going to be fiery and passionate about sharing this message. So that's one thing. It's like choosing the right people. Mm-hmm. Another way that we, we start to flesh out what that vision of the company, the vision for the company is is looking at assets that have already been developed, um, such as like values. So it might look at like the values of an organization um, and combine them, like overlap them with the values of the individuals in the room. Um, So what would that look like? And and often, so what, what that might look like is maybe they bring in an object from home, you know, and they tell a story about like why that object is a representation of themselves and then they bring in another object that they have from home they say why that that object is a representation of the um of the business um and through the group collaboration you see where those overlapping themes and words kind of start to come out right um yeah another way that that i make sure that we get kind of building upon that in that um, exercise that I gave in a, as an example of, like you know, the me we exercise of like telling a story about your own values and how they show up, um, it's also a way that I like to facilitate group conversations or group collaborations. Is that making sure that the introverts and the extroverts all have even play time, right? Because we all know that the extroverts can you know take over easily take over a conversation and not leave space for the people who have really insightful things to say, but maybe are a little shy to step up. Mm -hmm. So one way that we do that, like this, this example, the story is an example. So they bring something from home, and they thought about it. They've already done the the work in advance to think about like, oh, how is this rep? What do I want to see more of this object in the future? Like, what do I want to see more of in the future? have them jot down those ideas and the share them in a small group and then bring it to a larger group
0: mm. so that's interesting yeah i i because i do believe that if 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 an organization if the leaders of an organization have nurtured the culture there's going to be some commonalities there's the you know the proverbial collective consciousness
1: mm-hmm.
0: if they haven't done that work and and it's all been about policies and procedures and And, you know, um, org charts and strategic plans and, you know, it's all they still kind of have this machinery mindset. I think that a vision exercise would reveal a lot of schisms and issues um, in the organization. I think that one of the things that I teach leaders to do when it comes to vision is uh, especially around this representation or inclusivity is what is the question that ask everyone in an employee survey, not just the people in the room working on the vision, is what needs to happen around here for you mm-hmm. to feel successful? Because that's yes. a, a word. The word successful is again a word that's overused, but when you frame it in the sense of my desired outcomes, not like shareholder value, which most people don't give a shit about. Um, right. um, and so when you frame it that way. You start to get a series of answers, and the other one that I like to get is, um, "Are you? Do you have concerns about the direction of the company, or what concerns do you have about the direction of the company?" Because I think it's easier for people; it's easier to access the negative part of the brain, and right. And in, in, in this case, it's a way to uh, create a safe container for, for potentially, you know negative feedback because you need to know that stuff mm-hmm. um, and I think then you start to get this perspective of, of and I love what you said about extroverts and introverts I think another thing that needs to happen is a much more of a awareness and structure for neurodiversity you know people yes. have ADHD or dyslexia or Asperger's we need a different way for you to communicate with us we're not going to do it by filling out a 50 question survey or sitting through a three-hour meeting. Um, And so those are all part of, I think, that mindset of inclusivity and collective vision.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Building on that, I I work intuitively sometimes. I have a very structured agenda when I'm working with teams, and then I build in space for me to kind of go off the rails a little bit. And I was recently working with a very large pharmaceutical company, um, and we were, you know, dreaming up ideas for the future,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I spontaneously, I like, had this idea, was like, man, and it was over Zoom, so it's something to note as well as, like, while we were still not quite coming out, you know, traveling again, mm-hmm. um, And I was just noticing the energy was just dying and people were feeling a little bit frazzled. And so I remembered a a visioning exercise by deep Deepak Chopra actually. And so I brought that into the session and it was, it was so incredibly well-received and so popular. Not only was it requested again and again by this particular group, but I've started really incorporating it into my visioning sessions. Hmm. And so building it's 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 all. I'm almost going to repeat what you're saying but I'm saying it from a different mm-hmm. perspective so I have people get centered in their bodies and like connect in their bodies which who does that in business like I mean now we're doing it more but you know this isn't this is a newer thing to be doing right um so getting people connected sometimes sometimes I have them draw if they're not comfortable like with the word meditation or visioning session mm-hmm. but Um, I have them imagine themselves in a future state, like in a positive future state where everything is, is idealistic. And I have, you know, it's very visceral. I have them, you know, list, you know, use their, their senses of listening. Like, what is, what do you hear in this future environment? You know, what, what does the air feel like? Like, what is the floor feel like. like I have I make it very, very tangible. And then I ask them the question. So after they've like centered and come to a place of um, calm, I ask them to look around the space in their mind's eye and see evidence of success. Mm. So like, what is the evidence of success? Like, is it an award? Is it, you know, the sound of people talking in the other room? So I'll give some very vague examples. And It's amazing to me, like what they, you know, how people can connect to this. But to your point, for those folks who are just like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till this part of the exercise is over. I also have them look back at the future state and say, you know, what needs to change in order to get there? What are those massive milestones that you needed to overcome in order to create this, you know, ideal state in the future? Yeah. Sometimes there might be a more tangible. I I love just like bringing this creative exercises into it. So sometimes I'm sure you've done this one too. It like having it be very tangible. Like say you flipped open LinkedIn and there was, you know, the success story of your, you know, your company and your efforts of what you did. You know, five years in the future. Like what is the title of that, you know, that social media message, or what is it on that magazine or or newspaper or whatever.
0: And I think it's also related to all of that is, you know, vision is an expression of the collective consciousness of the people in the organization. Um, And therefore it contains limiting beliefs too. It contains kind of its own shadow self to use a Jung term. Um, And part of the discussion to get to vision is to reveal the things where it reveals blind spots too or or limiting beliefs same same idea um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's cool that this thing that we start off with saying what's our vision which is you know sort of a box checking thing for most businesses and then now we're discussing where we're going and why we're going that direction and why what success looks like and what do you want to feel and it's a it becomes a much bigger conversation and that's cool um, there's not a lot of Topics like that um, that become bigger conversations. Um, so speaking of conversations and kind of this like spreading the word is so you have a you have a, this is probably more important for like a larger companies. So you you do have a vision at some point you have, and you write it down or it's visualized and there's it's some, somehow codified. How do you how do you inspire enrollment um, or you know the I don't really like the word engagement because it's overused, but you know how do you <laughs> How do you get buy-in um, to, to use another bullshit bingo term?
1: <laughs> well, I think, you know, I, I hinted at it earlier. It's like having those your employees are your own advocates, right? And um I've seen it work most successfully when people have their own personal stories that are tied to it. So, you know, you do a vision exercise like, you know, maybe they're seeing success as they're reading the success on the screen, but behind them are, you know, a room full of puppies. I don't know. You know, it might be yeah. like, a, it might be a, a personal thing as well. So it's one, it's like finding that having people connect, um, connect on multiple levels to that vision and then have their own story about why it's important. Mm. Um, and then, I mean, I'd be amiss to not say like making it visual and keeping it, you know, keeping it up in the space and making it visual, it is, it's still like, I've been doing this for uh, like over 15 years, like nearly 20 years now. And it still blows me away that by making somebody's idea, somebody's vision visible, like how much power that has, like how much it it gets people like, this is my board. Like, this is my vision. and 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 the advocacy that comes through it so one of my clients right now um we've done this actually through the pandemic i've been doing this work with multiple teams at the same time like so we'll do five teams five leadership teams and then we'll bring their individual visions together to create one overarching vision Mm -hmm. so i'm doing that with a group right now and when we had the brainstorming of like um how they were going to communicate this message throughout the multiple tiers of the organization, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people across the whole country, um, down to volunteers. Like, how are we gonna, how are we gonna share this? And we're like, they they said, oh, we should create an image of it that we can put on TikTok because mm-hmm. that's how people are communicating with us when they're volunteering is through TikTok. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. So I've seen it, you know, visualize anywhere from, um, my husband's a sign painter, so I'll commission him often to paint, you know, these visions up on people's walls or their purpose up on, on company walls, but all the way down to like, you know, having an image, a little JPEG that can go on TikTok to tell a story or a video that can start to tell that story. So I'd say storytelling and pictures and just having like yeah. the advocates um, there to keep, you know, keep things moving and hold people accountable.
0: And I think it was in a newsletter a while that you did or an email that you sent out about vision ambassadors. Is that the advocates? Is that the same thing? as like, you have brand ambassadors out in the yeah. world, but you have vision ambassadors inside of the organization. Yeah, absolutely. Very intriguing, um, very intriguing idea. Um, you know, I think the, the thing that creates enrollment is that I've noticed is the checking back in um, on does this like this, like, it's almost like, um, its own kind of net promoter question of, you know, every six months asking, does the, does this vision, is this vision still important to you? Or is this vision, um, serving you serving you? Um, mm-hmm. because I think I think I think what happens most people enroll in a vision and then opt out when it becomes when they kind of you know most people these days have really sensitive bullshit detectors so they do opt in because especially if they participated in the crafting of it but then they start to get um, disillusioned um, from the vision and then you, you know so you have the opt-out situation and then I also think it's important that not, not everybody has to agree with the vision. Um, you know, some people can, is, is if you, if it can, getting everyone to agree with the vision if that dilutes the passion of the majority of people, then you haven't accomplished anything, you know? So it's where, especially where it's that battle between too bold and too safe. Um, of a vision. And I would rather be like, this is our bold vision and you can come up with safe ways to execute on it, but we're not going to have a safe vision. Um, Because if we do that, then the people that are motivated by risk are going to be demotivated. The people motivated by safety will always have something safe to work on and work within. Um, And I'm not diminishing people that crave safety, but I am saying that if you're going to choose, make your vision bold. Um, it's easier for the safe people to realize they're safe than the bold people to try to gin up false enthusiasm for a safe vision. So Yeah. Anyway, in my opinion. So <laughs> um, any parting thoughts, anything that you uh, feel like sharing that I didn't ask or something that came up that you wanted some space to share?
1: Hmm. I can't think of anything right now I think
0: we cool well I'm gonna link to your um to your feed and your website so people can see your work um and you know I think what you I think you're brilliant I think you were I think you're brilliant without being an artist I think that you just happen to be an artist it's not your art that makes you brilliant it's just the way that you express it so thank you very much
1: yeah thank you thank you very much